I think I turned it on. There it is. Good morning. No, seriously, good morning. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, where we are worshiping Jesus Christ. We're living out the love of the Father. And we're transforming community by the Holy Spirit. I am really glad each and every one of you is here this morning. Thank you for giving my friend Barry Martinez your love and respect and listening to him last week. He talked to me uh, in the middle of the week and said, you got a very loving congregation. Thank you for sharing the pulpit. And I said, yes. Um, so well done. Check mark on all of you. You get a gold star if we have gold stars. Um, anything else? We got announcements. Oh, and I, we, it was a staycation. The only day I went anywhere was cruised up with the family to Amoeba Records, which moved down the street in Hollywood, and then um, went to, I love Our Lady Queen of Angels, or City of Angels, that cathedral down there. I went, in one of my Fuller classes, I was given a tour of that, and I just love bringing my kids there, and that's a great space of worship. It's the largest empty cross in a Catholic space anywhere in the world ever. That building screams resurrection, which is a huge statement for the Roman Catholic Church, but that's another sermon. Um, I already said, glad you're here. Thanks for giving me a break. Um, What else? February 5th, we got these little guys. Make sure that you show up on February 5th and worship, and then after worship, we, we go into the fellowship hall, and we eat food. And we do our annual meeting, and we praise God for what God has done and pray for what is going to happen. So, really crucial meeting. Um, I think that's about it. We're going to mix it up a little bit. You'll notice that the worship service is a little different. And a couple weeks ago, actually the first year, the first of the new year, I preached on the wisdom uh, of the wise men, you know. And they went home a different way. And I think it's just good every once in a while to mix things up, to go home a different way, to break the circuit of normalcy or you know routine, just to knock the pharisaicalism, I guess is the word, or the legalism out of our relationship with Jesus the Christ, right? So today I'm going to do a call to worship, and then we're going to praise, we're going to praise him with some praise music. And then we're going to roll into a prayer confession where we don't all confess, but Amy confesses on our behalf and assures us that we're forgiven. And then I was at a worship service while I was away, and I, made it, I just connected the dots. I've been calling for the offering for a year and a half, not receiving any offering. <laughs> you know, we don't pass plates. Have you, have you recognized that? So we're going to replace the, the, the offertory or the call for the offering with just a thanks, like a moment of praise, and then we're going to sing the doxology. And in Greek, doxology, doxa, what's doxa? Thanks. Logia. Anybody know? The logos. Word. Word of thanks. Logos. Anyway. Praise him, right? 
And then we're going to do some other stuff, I think. We're going to pray like we usually pray, and I'm going to preach and that kind of jazz. But, uh, yeah, that's it. Let's stand up. I'm going to read the, our call to worship, and it's not from the Passion Translation. What? I'm even mixing that up. I'm going KJV. I'm going King James Version, right? And this is a shout-out to Philip Mansour, our, our sound guy. He's like, hey, why don't we read from the King James? Okay, we will. But let's worship the Lord and use this verse as I read this. These words as a doorway. And in order to go through that doorway, you drop yourself as king of your life. You drop your to-do list. You enter into the throne room of grace. And you worship and you receive. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Um, Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's worship the Lord. Sing with me. Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky, the heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high, God of wonders beyond our
Scripture says this. To those who receive, God gives the power to be sons and daughters of God. To those who receive, God gives the power. And I think so much in church, we often think, I need to do, 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 show up, show up, do, do, do. We get into this religiosity. As if somehow if we do things that please God, it positions us into better standing with God and one another. That's not where the power is at. The power is in receiving. God is a good, good father. There's a model, there's a picture for us to understand that in the goodness of God, all we simply have to do is step forward and receive. We are aligned with the power that is ours. Let's sing this together. Well, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard a thousand whispers of
God's steadfast love is everlasting. His faithfulness endures from generation to generation. Trusting in God's mercy, please join me in our prayer of confession this morning. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed away from you like lost sheep forgetting that we belong to a shepherd, forgetting that we belong to a savior. Many times we carry on as if you are not a part of our lives and we are not a part of you. We fall woefully short of being credible witnesses to your presence and glory. Forgive us, we pray. Every minute of every day, keep our focus on you and give us the strength we need to carry on as your disciples. Give us clear minds so that we may witness to you in our world, a world that needs you. We need you. Redeem us and use us in your kingdom work, we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. The new life has begun. Go in peace. We are forgiven. Please stand.
right? That was awesome. That's excellent. It's so good to be back. Um, and you guys are A plus on flexing, man, and moving. Yeah, I, I, there was been a couple pauses since we've moved stuff around in the service. And just to ease everybody's mind, this isn't forever. Like, I think it's good to mix it up, um, but not so much that you're always guessing. But so we're going to try stuff out, you know? This is a new year. We're going to try some new stuff. This is my first fourth year anywhere. We got married 21 years ago, and God has moved us every three years. And this is it. This is where we're going. This is, what, this is it. This is the destination. My kids are thriving. I'm loving Helen right now, right there. Helen and Chuck, glad you guys are here. Everybody's paying attention. Uh, anything else? That's wonderful. Randy Spears in the house. You can't go wrong there. Okay, we're going through Ephesians. And we, we started it with the new year. And we started it with Paul's prayer at the beginning of the, of the um, letter. He's in prison. And this if Ephesus, the things you need to know about the church in Ephesus, is primarily Gentiles who've become Christians. And so he's teaching um, us, right? Unless you're of Jewish descent, which I think there are a couple in here maybe. But... Um, He's teaching us the fundamentals, the basics, the Christianity 101. And right before I, Barry preached and before I went on my staycation or whatever, um, it was deep, remember? It was deep theology and deep soteriology, the, the, which is the study of salvation. And this is the passage right after that. And so um, I think it'll be on the screen. But if not, there's Bibles in front of you. And here we go. This is chapter 2, starting with verse 11. So then, and some translations say, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ. Being aliens. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers. Strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. But now. In Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. Brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our shalom. He is our peace. He is our home. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one. And has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in him himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those 
who were near. For through, for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers. You are no longer strangers. You are no longer aliens. But you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit. I pray that you would proclaim your truth through me. I pray that you would teach us who you are just a little more, a little more about your character and a little more about ourselves. Right here, right now. By the Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray this. And all God's people said. It starts with, so then, in my translation, and some translations out there, it says, therefore. And have you ever been around me? I was trained by Chuck Swindoll. Whenever he preached, he says, whenever you see a therefore, you ask for, what's it there for? You remember that? Okay. What's it there for? What's it there for? And then he goes into, he says, remember. Remember what? You remember the dark. Remember before I went on staycation, I was talking about it's important for us as people of Jesus Christ to remember what it was like before being in and worshiping Jesus Christ. Similarly, over and over in the Old Testament, the Hebrew nation was called to remember. Remember what it was like when you were a slave in Egypt. You remember you didn't have anything. Everything was owned. You were just a slave, a number. Paul is calling us as followers of Jesus to remember those times when you were trapped. Those times that you felt like there was no way out. Left to your own devices and it was dark. And so he starts off in this dark place and he remembers and he says, you're is that you were aliens. You were misfits. And interestingly, what are, what, are, what are we as Gentiles and what are the people of Ephesus as Gentiles aliens from? They're, they're aliens from one another Primarily, what does he say? He says, you're aliens 
from Israel. You're aliens from the covenant. You were aliens from any rootedness in God himself as your creator. You were aliens from what you were designed to be. Do you follow that? Yes or no? Okay, perfect. Thank you. Sorry. But then he, said, he, starts, he starts dipping the gospel, you know, bucket. And this, just picture this morning as a day, like some days we come and this is a, a, this is a hospital. You know, you've had a rough week and you come and you have God dispense his healing presence through the community and through people, right? Sometimes this is a schoolhouse and you learn some stuff, Right? Yes or no? Have you ever learned anything in this room? Okay, good. <laughs> but today, it's a, you've, picked a, you've picked a winner. If this is I, my wife after uh, Christmas Eve, you know, because there's certain people that show up on just Christmas and Easter. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> okay. And my wife leans to me next to her at my Christmas Eve message, and she says, man, I wish they got more. I wish they got, like, and she was thinking of messages like this morning. This is a message. If you need a bunch of grace dumped on you this morning, today's your lucky day. Paul is dumping it out on the church of Ephesus, and he's dumping it out on us this morning. We sang, I, I requested that Danny sing that he's a good, good father. That's who he is. And who are we? Love by you. Right? That's, that's who we are. Everyone else tries to define you as whatever you do and all this stuff. That's who you are. This text tells you who you are. And it's smothered in grace. But I'll get to it. Here we go. First, we're brought near to God. Anyone else raised in a home where the... Your father rarely said, I love you. Maybe a, a home where your father rarely reached out and hugged you. That's me. If you're, if you're like that, that's me. It doesn't mean he didn't love me. It didn't mean, he actually, he adores me. He's, my dad is a hero. If I, if I had my, my dad is the reason I'm a follower of Jesus, you know. He raised me in the church. And not literally in the church. I didn't sleep in a church, but anywho. Uh, on a bike ride in college, I was in. Uh, well, I was on this bike ride in Angeles Crest Highway, off of Angeles Crest Highway. It was a forty-mile like horseshoe, and um, it was as my dad was getting into shape, and as I was at my peak shape. You know, my dad was in his 50s, I was in my 20s, and I could, you know, I could ride a bike, and I had lungs the size of Texas and that kind of thing. So we're doing this 40-mile loop through Angeles Crest of these mountains. And so I'm coming back up. My dad, he had just got winded. He's like, no, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to make it. Uh, it's going to be really hard to get out of here. you got a bike ahead because it starts like as a horseshoe like this. 
whoop, and you park on this end, you bike there, and then you bike back to the car, and then I was going to meet him at the, at, the, at the trailhead on that side. So I go ahead, I'm biking, and it's up, mainly up. And there's all kinds of decisions, and I'm making all kinds of decisions going, okay, I think I'm going to go this way, I think I'm going to go this way. Um, I get to the trailhead, bike back to the car, pound a banana because I hadn't eaten my much. I bike back to the trailhead, and I'm going, I'm going, uh, Dad, Dad, and it's getting dark. And there's no streetlights. Have you been on Angeles Crest Highway? There's no streetlights. Um, like I said, my dad isn't very, he hasn't, he hasn't probably told me I love you yet. He started telling me I love you right after my mom died in 03. So he tells me all the time. But I don't think I'd ever heard him say I love you. And his rock solidness was so a part of me. Um, I'll tell you a story about his rock solidness. When we were little kids, he's carving a pumpkin with a dull knife. <sighs> Slips, stabs me in the head. I have a scar right here still, if you want to see it afterwards. My older brother's like, yes! <laughs> my mom's like, what? What? My dad says, if you see any fear in my eyes, Jason, you can cry. I don't cry, because it's not very painful. It wasn't a deep cut, but there's tons of blood. And so he pulls the knife out, and he grabs my hand, Puts it there and he says, just hold that tight, Jay. Let's go to the hospital and get some stitches. Didn't cry the whole time. Went to the hospital, got some stitches. That's my dad in a nutshell. At this trailhead, I'm saying, Dad, Dad, it's going to be a miracle if this guy pops out of this. All of a sudden, I hear, Jason? First time in my life I'd ever heard my dad afraid. Every hair on my body stands up. He says, Jason? Yes. He drops his bike, grabs me, and just holds me. Pulls me in and just holds me, or what it seems for like eternity. I'm like bawling. There's boogers coming out and stuff like that because I feel so loved by this guy that he's loved me the whole time, but he didn't really. This text pictures us as that we were aliens. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We got no roots, we got nothing. Through Christ, God picks us and grabs us and pulls us tight, draws us near. What else happens? This is the next, it's the, like a million punches right here. And then he, he, he kind of flashes back and he says, through Christ, he speaks a little word to the few Jewish people that have converted to Christianity in Ephesus. And he says, and Jesus abolished the law. You guys were aliens too. Not in, the, not in the same way, but you guys were aliens too. You didn't know it because there were, and you can read about it, but um, he doesn't abolish the law, right? He fulfills it. That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Obviously, all, I looked through all these commentaries, and these smarter people than I taught me, He's not talking about the moral law. He doesn't abolish the moral law. He completes the moral law. He, he abolishes the ceremonial laws. He abolishes, you know, the laws that we kind of put on ourselves. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Like the laws of 
we have to say the prayer of confession together. And then when everybody was listening to Amy, I was like, oh, we don't. <laughs> There's grace all around. There's grace in all of this. We can mix things up. This is a relationship. We've got to rattle things up, right? I guess not. Maybe not. Everybody's like, okay, shut up. Okay. But he, so, and he, he gets rid of the divisions. That's, that's the same thing, too. He doesn't. I'm still a man. My wife is still a woman. Right? So he doesn't get rid of all the divisions. He gets rid of the divisions in the religious sense, in the relationship sense, in the equity sense. You know? all The foot of the cross, the ground is level. You know, we still, we bring ourselves still there and we still remain who we are, work, what we do, work, and that kind of jazz. But in one sense of the word, and this is the sense that Paul's talking about, it all doesn't matter. It's dwarfed by this ginormous grace that is coming from the Father. Does everybody follow that? That was the, probably the rockiest part right there. And then, this is the, this is the clincher. Okay, we got Jews and we got Gentiles. We got Gentiles that are exiles. They're exiles from any rootedness in God, any relationship with God, any rootedness in how they were truly designed to live. Jews have been made the special people by God, right? They are rooted in God. They have the understanding of what they were designed to do. They're connected to the garden and the redemption from the garden and the law and all that. But they're aliens in that they've gotten this law replaced in the wrong spot. They're worshiping the law rather than the God of the law, right? They got lost in the maze. And so we got these two alienated people, but in different ways. How do we do it? How does God reconcile? How does he do it? Look at verse 15. He says through the cross, that's right. He abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself. Who's the himself? Jesus the Christ, correct? One, and the, and the, the Hebrew word is echad, one echad, but this is in Greek, but that's the understanding, the unite, like, in the Greek it's the mia, mia psuxe, with one soul. We're one soul, and what? A new humanity. A new humanity, ladies and gentlemen. That's the next grace, like, pouring out. We got the Jews. We got the Gentiles. They're both exiles in different ways. God says, how am I going to reconcile this? How am I going to 
make it the way I want it. I'm going to take them both and engulf them in a new humanity. Weddings are a great illustration of this, right? Well, yeah, you guys don't know yet. But yeah, I think they are. You got a man and a woman. They come up here. We just had a wedding in here, uh, New Year's Eve, right? Here comes, here comes Abigail. She's gorgeous. Here comes the young punk, Warren. His, uh, Austin, Austin's standing right here. He just doesn't know what's happening. You know, he's the young college kid. Uh, Abigail walks down. There's 250 people around. These two people walk in. They're strong individuals. They're very, they're the, you know, they're individuals. Abigail's one of the best singers. She led worship at the first women's retreat. Anybody that around for that? That's Abigail. Abigail, and she's my goddaughter. She's walking down. She looks gorgeous. Everybody's crying. Here comes in Austin standing up here. Say some few words. The mystery, the holy mystery of marriage happens. Two people stand in here, pray for a little bit, say some words. People bear witness. They walk out as one. There's so many different illustrations in the, in the Old Testament about what, like this. You got the new song, right? We got old songs. You got a bunch of old songs, but then they're all engulfed by the new song that's going to be sung in heaven, right? Paul is, you could almost see him in his prison cell, like hopping up and down. He's like, he's like no, there's God is amazing at solutions. He's amazing at taking chaotic things and creating order and beauty out of them. He loves creating. He loves taking nothing and making absolutely everything out of it. These two people groups that he's been dying since he created them to be with, he created this new way, and it's this new community. It's this new people group. doesn't mean we cease being Americans. doesn't mean we cease being men. doesn't women. It, like All of our individuality, all our cultures, they all roll into this, but it's engulfed by it. You know what I mean? Okay. Where am I at? Right here. New humanity. We are new people. And then I ask that question. How many people are in here? One. Right, say? Good job. And Jesus is our shalom. He's our peace. He draws us near. And then in this new humanity, we all equally have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. Right? Okay, good. Nestor's here, good. And then he, you know, remember he starts, remember that you're aliens. Remember the dark place. Remember how you were before you met Jesus or before Jesus came in and changed your, your, whole, your whole deal. Then walk through this passage and walk through these absolute truths. And at the end, he flips it and he says, You are no longer strangers. You are no longer aliens. You. Fill in your name right there. You, Diane. 
You. You, Klaus. And then he, he unpacks the church. He says this new community, what is it made of? It's made of citizens. What kind of citizens? Citizens of the kingdom of God. We're in this space. We're amongst these people. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Jesus is your king. We are all servants. We are all citizens along with the saints. And then you, you expect him to explain, okay, this is how you should organize your churches. You know? I, I think. I think he should say, okay, and then you got a head pastor, and then you put you in your session, and then you organize, you worship every Sunday, you do this, 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 and this. What does he do instead? He starts talking about a building. But what's the building? It's us. We're the building. We're the church. Right? He starts, he starts visualizing and he starts dumping out. He's, he's been dumping this grace and he's saying, this is, you have your role. You have your place to part. Your, 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 your place to play your part. And it's amongst these people. Look to your right and look to your left. It's amongst these people. And then he brings up the, and who, who's, who's the foundation? Nope. Pop quiz. You guys all failed right there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But then you get grace. Remember, Amy just said that. You're surely you're forgiven. Uh, Christ isn't the one foundation. Uh, the church, though, the, the, the prophets, the prophets and the apostles are the, are, are the foundation. Right? Some people confused, right? What, I'll go, we got tons of time. No, we don't have tons of time. This is awesome, right? I think that's good. We've kind of freed up so I can talk a little bit more. But I can go off on, most people think that Jesus is the foundation. Where did they get that from? They get it from the Sermon on the Mountain. He says, this house is built on the rock. You know, this house is built on the sand. One gets washed away, one stands forever. But if you listen to that parable, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about doing what he says. He says, you know, a person that listens to the words of Jesus and does them is like a person that builds his house on a rock. The person that listens to Jesus and builds his house and doesn't do them is like a person, and he doesn't say person right there. He says moron. That's the Greek. He said he's a moron. The person is a moron that builds, listens to the words of Jesus, walks out, and doesn't do them. That's what that parable is about. It's not about Jesus being the, the foundation. Jesus is never called the foundation in the New Testament. Jesus is the capstone, the cornerstone. That's going to get that in a second. But our foundation is the law, is the prophets, is the, is the prophets and the apostles. And it's, you know, it's... it's it's the Elsie Hughes's, right? 
Right? Right, Patty? Our foundation is who told you about Jesus? Who told you? Shout some names. Larry Skinner told me about Jesus. Anybody ever heard about Jesus? No? Okay. (laughs) Maybe I'm in the wrong church. Who told you about Jesus? That's your foundation. That's your foundation. That's your roots. When he talks about church, he's not talking about any, he's not talking about organization. He's talking about family. Right? He says, we're a family of God. That's what he said just a second ago in this text. We're the family. We're made into this family of God. Your foundation of those, those men and women who got a hold of the fire from somebody else and passed it to you. And then he describes who Jesus really is. He's not the foundation. He's the capstone. He's the cornerstone. He holds it all together. We were over in Israel, and there was a cornerstone on the ground. And our a Jewish woman who was our travel guide or whatever, she was explaining everything. She said, that's, that's the cornerstone. And the cornerstone, the, most people, they describe it as the arch, you know, the arch and it's the one that holds it together. But that's not of Jesus' time. Jesus' time, they called the cornerstone of the capstone, the wall, the, the, the brick at the wall, uh, the brick at the top of a corner of a wall that held them both together. Like they were both leaning and they were, and it was cemented right in there. It was, the, it was the absolutely crucial piece. But she said what they failed to realize is all of the Ezekiel stuff. Because the capstone, the cornerstone, was the highest place in the temple. Was the highest place of any building. And if you had a watchman, you had a watchman that was looking over the safety of the people there within. The watchman would be on the cornerstone, the capstone. They were the protector. We missed this big piece of this text. Jesus is our, he watches over us. He's our keeper. Anybody have a big brother? I had a big brother, and he was way stronger than me. And way more quick to fight people. (laughs) He was my defender. Somebody picked on me. I had pigeon toe. Have you ever watched me walk? I have pigeon toe. People would make fun of how I walk with, like, with my pigeon feet. My brother would hear, hey, I'll see you after class, my friend. <laughs> they stopped talking about my pigeon toe. Jesus is that. He's, he watches out for us. He comforts us. Applications. Oh, and I just have to say, he ends on this note that we, we are the church. He doesn't end it on a relational like we, we are temples, you know, are individually we house the spirit of God and we are temples. But that's not Paul's point in this text. This, the point in this, Paul's text is we. We huddle together. We are the church. We're like, a, instead of a traveling circus, we're a traveling church. We're a traveling temple of God. We're going around with the presence of God amongst us into this dark, depraved world that's alienated from him. And we're bringing them in. We're, like, we're surrounding them with love and saying, hey, 
you're, you're, you'll fit right in here. Applications. Notes important. No, nah, I'm not going to skip that application. Hum, new humanity. Let's live into our new humanity. Let's live into that. What does that mean? What would it mean to live into this new humanity? New way of functioning. Way of functioning. Tease that out a little. Yeah, you see him or her as not a problem to be solved, but a brother or sister to be loved into this new humanity. You see the people in this room as not your adversaries, as not against you, trying to do you harm, but you see them as brothers and sisters trying to figure out a way through this broken and depraved world how to move together and love together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, may it be so. May we truly realize in Christ we together are your temple. We together are your new humanity. You've gotten rid of all divisions. Help us to love as though as we are loved by you. And all God's people said, Amen.
as I was on staycation and worshiping with amongst another community, like I said, I mentioned, uh, I learned that they they weren't taking an offering, and neither are we. So I'm going to fill this space with uh, just a moment of gratitude. And so in the future, if you want to share something or share a way that God has broken through, you can have a couple minutes right here in the service. Of, it's just, I want a little more testimony. Amen? I want, to hear, I want to hear from more of you, like how God is moving and stirring, and I give thanks for it, you know? Another thing I learned was it was really hot in that room. I think we need to start turning the heater on. And I, I think a lot of people hear that and are going to be like, now I can come to this church. Because <laughs> I like it freezing, right? Amen? I know. That's what I usually like. I like it freezing. But we've got to start turning the heater on. I guess that's going to happen sometimes. Uh, and then another thing I learned was that what service was an hour and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give me a little more grace. You know what I mean? Like we got the spirit sometimes takes a little time to churn up some stuff. You know what I mean? So let's loosen up a little. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to sing, hand out some cinnamon rolls during the service or something like that. Uh, but my moment of gratitude is it came right, bef- uh, right before I went on staycation. And we had been praying for God to provide someone to, to take over in the children's department. And we had been pleading, and Terry was on. She was Terry Ewan, our our elder over student uh, ministries, was was really stretching it, you know, because it was really going into her job and going into her family, and she was just like it was really really stressful. And it was cool how God just boom, Erica. So my moment of praise and something to be grateful for that I want to share with everybody. Erica is an amazing woman of God, and she loves kids, and she loves Jesus Christ, and that's worth celebrating. So let's stand. Oh, actually, for those listening on the podcast, uh, send your tithes and your offerings to uh, Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Coast Mesa, California, 92628. And then if you're here in the worship service right now, leave your offerings and the offering plate on your way out. But uh, let's stand and sing Doxa. the Lord's Prayer, we say the words, give us this day our daily bread. Bread is seen as a necessity of life. So when we ask for our daily bread, we're not asking for food items for our dinner that nourish us, but we're asking for God to provide all of the necessities for our lives. Peace is a necessity, as is food and warmth for those in need, health and healing 
for those who are ill, financial help to provide for ourselves and our families, forgiveness of wrongs. So when we come before God asking for all these things that are so essential to our life, we are asking for our daily bread, knowing that God cares and God listens. So let us now take our concerns to God. Gracious God, because we are not strong enough to pray as we should, you provide Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit to intercede for us in power. In this confidence, we ask you to hear our prayers. Almighty God, hear our prayers for this congregation. Grant us all things necessary for our common life and bring us all to be of one heart and mind. May others see our open doors and be warmly welcomed into this sanctuary and truly know that you are in this place. Guide the rulers of the nations. Move them to set aside their fears, greed, and vain ambition and bow to your sovereign rule. Inspire them to strive for peace and justice, that all your children may dwell secure, free of war and injustice. O God, when we listened to the news reports this morning, once again we were shocked and saddened at the news of another mass shooting. Here in our own state, in uh, <laughs> forgot Monterey. Um, anyway, we look at that, and it's how can one person do this to others? How can someone shoot twenty people? And our hearts are saddened, and we recall your words that if my people will humble themselves and pray. I will forgive, and I will heal their land. Lord, our land needs healing. Reports say that in this few weeks of this new year, there have been 33 shootings. We just ask that you intervene in this, that you intervene in people's lives when they find this is their only recourse to express themselves. But we just pray for the innocent. We pray that such events can be ended. Help our country, help our communities, we pray. We pray for those who face hardship in our community and land. We pray for those seeking employment, that they may find work that uses their skills and compensates them fairly for their daily work. We pray for those who are homeless or those who have homes but little money for the other necessities of life, such as utilities and nourishing food. We pray for those who lack shelter or warmth on these cold winter nights. We pray for those coming to our church doors seeking aid, Bless those agencies that seek to help and open our eyes as a church and as individuals to opportunities 
where we can be of assistance. We pray today for those beset with burdens that are too heavy to bear. Draw them up from their desolation and set them on solid ground. May Jesus Christ be a source of hope and strength for them. We pray for the sick, for those weakened by disease or pain, and for those who are grieving. Be with the Ross and Sager families. Give them comfort and hope for the future. Almighty and merciful God, you sent Jesus to heal broken lives. We give thanks that today you also send healing through doctors, medicine, and technology. We claim your promise of wholeness as we pray for those who are ill in body, mind, or spirit and who long for your healing touch. Make the weak strong, the sick well, and the broken whole. Look with compassion on those of our congregation needing healing. We pray for Buzz Coslin that he may soon be able to eat normally for peace and comfort for Kay Deer and for her supportive family, for healing of broken bones for Jim Clark, for God's peace and protection for Lewis Lindsay and caring support for Maisie, for complete healing for Patty Ernest. Give to each as they have need. Almighty God, by grace alone, you call us and accept us in your service. Strengthen us by your Spirit and make us worthy of your call. Through Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now would you please stand, and we shall sing together to God be the glory.
right? I, I forgot one, just that you could probably sum up that whole message in one application is be the church. Be the citizen of the kingdom of God. Be the beloved of the Father, right? Live out that identity that Paul talks about. And just read that text again when you, when you need some comfort and just, you know, gas for the gas tank. Make sure you fill out this RSVP for our annual meeting, which is coming up in a couple weeks, and let everybody know how much food to prepare. Um, before this, I was a pastor in Muskegon, Michigan. I was texted uh, earlier in the week. Actually, it was my wife who was texted earlier in the week. Uh, in Michigan, there has been four minutes of sunshine this year. So I'm praising God for each of you right now. <laughs> right? But let's go forth and be the church. And receive this benediction. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen.